Hello and welcome to this Jeremy Bamba and White House Farm podcast season three. My name's Emma Morris and here is this month's legal and campaign update. Unfortunately, we still aren't able to bring you any news on the legal front. However, we do know that the CCRC are actively reviewing the submissions made to them two years ago. We are hopeful to have news in the near future, which we will share with you all. The campaign are working with Jeremy on a new issue. and We will be able to share news regarding this in our June's podcast. Next month, myself and Nikki Rowley, who is an affiliate of the campaign, will discuss the importance of social media and how it raises awareness of Jeremy's case. But onto this month's podcast, and I am joined by my colleague, Yvonne Hartley. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Emma. So we're here today to talk about some new documentation that's recently come into the possession of the campaign team. So Yvonne, can you tell me a little bit about what, what these documents are and and how the existence of them came to light? Yeah, Emma, no problem. So we knew that these documents existed because they were the original documentation from one of Jeremy's former solicitors. However, some years ago, when we tried to obtain them, they were no longer in the solicitor's office and nobody knew where they were. We had reason to believe that they had been destroyed. We were advised they had been destroyed. And all our efforts to try and locate these documents were fruitless. We couldn't find them anywhere. Oh, so how old are they? These documents originate predominantly from the period up to 2002. Oh, right. So old, old. A substantial amount of material that was um, provided to this particular solicitor when they were working for Jeremy. So how did we find out that they hadn't been destroyed and they were still in existence? That was purely by chance. The One of the members of Jeremy's legal team was contacted to say where these documents were located. So the legal team contacted us and advised us of the situation. Mm. And so we made steps by the person that had contacted the legal team to discover where they were. Right, so I bet that was a big shock for the team and Jeremy to find out that these documents that we thought had been destroyed was still in existence. Absolutely, completely. I mean, and we had no idea of what the content of this material was. It could have been things that we've been seeking for years. So, mm. you know, it was then became vital that we got this documentation as soon as possible in order for us to process it and go through it and analyse it and just see what it did contain. And I, I guess it could imagine that in 2002, when um, previous legal team were looking through the documents without the benefit of the 2011 disclosures, they might not have realised the importance of some of the documents, potentially. A bit like a jigsaw, isn't it? It is like a jigsaw, and you've got to really go in depth on every issue to then ascertain if a particular document is important and what the importance of that is and how it ties things together. So like a, a statement written by somebody on, in and of itself might not mean anything, but in conjunction with 
three more statements written by other people and an officer's report and a forensic report makes all the difference. So that was why it was crucial. And particularly owing to the fact we've had so much non-disclosure in Jeremy's case, we had absolutely no idea what this material was. So as I say, it was vital that we get it as soon as possible. So how much material was it and how did you get it to you? Yeah, well, we're advised that these documents weren't even in England at the time. They were, oh, my goodness. And they were on one of the Shetland Isles, which, as you can appreciate, it's quite difficult to get to. involves ferries mm. and things like that. Anyway, after a lot of logistical plans were put in place, I actually received the documents on the 9th of February this year. We were told there were six boxes. But uh, when the six boxes, it, it was really overwhelming because I took one look at them. They took up the entire kitchen floor space where I live. They consisted of, there was two boxes, which I'd say were like trunks. So they measured approximately wow. four feet by two feet high, by two feet wide, four feet long. There were four boxes that were smaller than that, but still of considerable size. And when opened, there was nothing in files. Every piece of paper, each box was jam-crammed full of loose sheets of paper. So on an initial look, it was like, oh, no, where do you start? Mm. It was, it was uh, quite overwhelming. But I guess exciting as well. In Very terms exciting of- because, we, like I say, we had no idea of the content after chatting to Jeremy because we knew that there'd be a lot of material that we probably did have. So we made a decision because we catalogue everything that we have in the campaign for also to ensure the safekeeping of the documents and that we can always access them. They're all given a reference number and everything. So because of the amount of material that there was, we made a decision that there was no use scanning everything at that time that already existed within the system. So for the benefits of speed and importance of getting to the material we needed, it was sorted out. So any material that I can't recall ever seeing before and all the forensic material, which is considerable, was separated and that is scanned, referenced, catalogued, and will be sent to Mark Nube, who will then send that on to Jeremy. In total, it has filled 17 banker-sized boxes as this material, so it's still loose documentation. It's not in folders, because that's just time-consuming to have to sort that out. So at the moment, it's um, the loose pages are in now banker boxes, and as I say, it's 17 of those which just shows a lot of Yeah, because a banker box is it's roughly the size of like a supermarket crisp box, the ones that they get, the, the multi-packs of crisps in the big ones, yeah. So it's filled 17 of those. Wow, that is a lot of documentation. So was there anything in particular you were hoping to find in there or any particular area of the case you were you were hoping would be there? Yeah, we were hoping to find some of the material that has never previously, we believe, been um, 
disclosed basics police, but we've been right all along because that material isn't in this uh, new documentation. There, right. are, there are a lot of statements, a lot of police reports, a lot of forensic reports, but the vast majority is documentation that we have seen. There are no statements by people we were hoping to find. So the police officers who entered White House Farm, there were no made statements that had never been disclosed, unfortunately. Their statements weren't in this material. I was hoping to come across the report by Keneally that said the evidence indicated Sheila was responsible that was made on the 6th of September 1985. So I was hoping that the material Keneally used and his report would be there because had it been, that would have instantly yeah. been of massive assistance with, to the CCRC in their review of the material. But unfortunately, it wasn't there. There are a lot of interesting documents that are saying that. Is there anything you can reveal in terms of um, the interesting documents that you found? There are some which are forensic related, which are whole lab three forms, they call. So the submissions to the laboratory. We've always known there was something wrong with the submission forms that have previously been disclosed to us. There are additional whole lab forms in this material. Um, they will be sent to Mark Newbert, who will send them on to Jeremy, and Jeremy will do the analysis on those. And if there's anything useful, will that then get sent on to the CCRC? Absolutely. Yeah, if there's anything at all that will assist the, the submissions which we've made, that will go immediately to the CCRC. I can't say I've come across anything that's um, slam dunk myself. Um, like I say, I've got a great knowledge of the documentation we do already have. There's mm. nothing that strikes out. There are some um, statements which don't quite ring true which are being sent to the legal team and done to Jeremy. Um, there's things about those statements which I raise eyebrows, let's put it that way, but whether they'll impact the CCRC, I, I don't know. That's for Jeremy's decision. Oh, interesting. It's strange, isn't it? And probably be difficult for people to understand that this can happen in terms of a legal case that paperwork could just be discovered in the way that it has been. You would think that it would get passed on from one legal team to another and, and that type of thing, but it, it I, wasn't. I think it's the um, the extent of the amount of material, though, Emma, because it's vast. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything that we've got is on paper copy before we put it into our computer system. And there's just thousands and thousands of pages that you have to go through and that have to be stored. And so storing that documentation can be a nightmare. Yeah, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it there's so much of it and people probably don't realise quite how much there is. And I think in cases like this, it's credit that Jeremy's got a team that is able and willing to go through it all because... For others, it may be, it's just overwhelming, isn't it? The amount. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and like for way of example, 
um, as to it being overwhelming. In Jeremy's case, they've over-disclosed in particular areas. So what that means is that instead of having one copy of a statement or maybe two, you're supposed to have a handwritten and a typed. We don't have any handwritten in mm. this material. They're all typed. But instead of having one statement by, say, a forensic scientist, this about, I'd say, I haven't counted them, but by one particular scientist, the same statement, there's at least 60 copies. Wow. And but you then you've got to check them to say, as I said, the same as that or is there something extra on that one that's not on that one, or is there something that's been redacted on that that's now not in it? Well, yeah, know, because we do know in Jeremy's case there are statements that have been altered. They've been altered at a later date, yes. Oh gosh. But the nightmare of having to do that to check this over disclosure. Not just in one scientist's case, in witnesses, in either, you know, down to forensic material. It's duplicated, duplicated, but is it duplicated? So that's yeah. why it's important. It's not just one pair of eyes looking at it and that ultimately Jeremy will look at that over-disclosed material and mm. he'll do the analysis on that because, you know, we are, we are still going through everything, we're still cataloguing everything at the moment. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just really poor admin or do you think that there, there's a, a more sinister reason why they do that? I don't really understand how it has happened that there are so many copies of what is supposedly identical material. It's, mm -hmm. it's like that for a reason. It's not that they've had to create for different inquiries different copies of it since 2002 everything's on the home's computer system anyway so why they'd have to produce things photocopied later than that i don't know because they know they know what they've disclosed they've got they must have records of what's been disclosed in the past but i think it's just to complicate issues because we have found a lot of evidence in material that's apparently duplicated in the past because it's not right. duplicated at all there's alterations to wordings these words redacted and at a first glance they look the same when you read them they're not it's worrying isn't it that you've got two statements that have been altered yeah definitely but it's there and so that's for the that's for the Essex police to explain why that had been done. Yeah, and I suppose the downside to them is if they're over disclosing in that way, then they're going to make those mistakes and disclose things that they really didn't want to disclose, which then like shows they they've been altering statements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of material. Everything that's in the submissions is from the two thousand and eleven material. I'm sure that um, some of this material we've now got will assist but to the extent of how it will assist i'm not so sure because the ccrc have now had the submissions two years we don't want to be introducing new evidence at this stage so if there is something that's absolutely key vital then that will go to them yeah yeah um, it's good but that will be just analysis yeah. of these forensic works because 
like I say, the number of copies for me to go through them is going to take weeks and weeks. Whereas Jeremy can be doing that while we're continuing cataloging. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Yvonne. That's been really, really interesting. And, um, you know, hopefully, as you continue to go through the material, we'll find something that's going to help. And if you do, you can let us know in a future episode. Oh, absolutely. I'll come back and let you know. As I said, the majority of material, it has been gone through. Every piece of paper has been looked at. The significance of the forensic material that's there will have to be discussed with Jeremy. Yeah. So he will have that shortly. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me today, Yvonne. Thank you, Emma. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to do something to help Jeremy Bamber, then sign our online petition to the Home Secretary for the disclosure of case documents still withheld by Essex Police. Visit www.change.org and search for Jeremy Bamber. And don't forget to share the link with your friends and family.